Well, good morning, Shiloh. One more time. All right. Now, this song probably, uh, we could do it for Thanksgiving because it's a Thanksgiving song. It simply thanks the Lord for all the things that he's done for us, for all the things that he's done for me, for all the things that he's done for you, both in the past, both in the present, and things to come. So as you catch on to this song, I want you to sing along with us because the chorus says, Lord, you've been so good to me. Amen? Amen? I'm going to say amen one more time. Amen? All right. Says I lift my hands in total praise. I lift my hands in total praise. Thinking about all the things you've done. Thinking about all the things you've done. And Lord, I can't help but shout. Can't help but and shout. Sing out. Can't help but Lord. sing out. Lord, you've been so good to me. Lord, you've been so good to me. Let's sing it again. I lift my hands in total praise. I lift Thinking about all the things you've done, Lord. Thinking about all the things you've done. And I can't help but shout. Can't help but shout. And sing out. Can't help but sing Lord, out. Lord, you've been so good to me. Lord, you've been so good to me. Second verse says, you love me so I don't know why. You love me so I don't know why. Lord, so much it makes me cry. So I can't help but shout, help but shout. and sing out. Can't help but sing Lord, out. Lord, you've been so good to me. Hey, you've been so good to Let's me. Let's sing that one one more time. It makes it personal. You love me so. You love me so. I don't know why. So much, Lord. So much. It makes me cry. But I can't help but shout, Lord. Can't help but shout. And sing out. Chorus. Come on, soprano. You've been so good. You've been so good. Hey, you've been so good. You've been so good. You did it for my soul. Sing it again. You've been so good. You've been so good. Yeah. You've been so good. See, you did it for my soul. You've been so good to me. Lord, you've been so good to me. Lord, 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 you've been. Lord, you've been so good to me. One more. Lord, you've been. Lord, you've been so good to me. All right, I want everybody to clap your hands just like this. Hey, hey. Oh, because I'm thankful for the Lord. I'm thankful for all the things that the Lord has done for me in my life. It's given me cause to praise, cause to give him thanks, cause to worship him. So if you enjoy the praises and the worship and the things that the Lord has done for you, I want you to clap your hands and I want you to sing along with us this part. It's real simple. It says, Lord, you've been, you've been so good to me. And we say, thank you. Hey, y'all ready? Hey, 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 hey. Here we go. Lord, you've been. One, say, Lord, you've been. Lord, you've been 
you've been, you've been, been so good to me. Say, Lord, you've been, Lord, you've been, hey. been so good so to thank me. You. Thank you. You woke me up and started me on my way. Thank you. You let me see, you let me see another day. I say, thank you. Lord, you've been, Lord, Lord you've been, been, yeah, yeah, yeah. Been so good to me. Say, Lord, you've been. Lord, you've been. Uh, been so good I said, to I'm me. Thank you. Thank you. For my mother and father. Thank you. For my sister and brother. Thank you. For my family and friends. Thank you. You love me to the end. Thank you. You gave me eyes to see. Thank you. And you gave me ears to hear. Thank you. You gave me legs to walk. Thank you. And my mouth to talk. Thank you. You gave me eyes to see. Thank you. That I may see your glory, Lord. Thank you. you gave me a mouth to pray. Thank you. Praise your name. Say, Lord, you be. Lord, you've been, hey, you've been so good to me. I say, Lord, you've been, Lord, you've been, yeah, yeah. Been so good to hey. me. I say, Lord, you've been, Lord, you've been, hey, hey. Been so good to me. Waking me up this morning, Lord. Lord, you've been, you've been so good to me. Starting me on my way. Lord, you've been, hey, hey. Been so good to me. Lord, I love to say thank you.
here I am in the place of worship, eyes open, drinking in your strength and glory. In your generous love, I'm really living at last. My lips brim praises like fountains. I bless you every time I take a breath. My arms wave like banners of praise to you. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about worship in the wilderness. Worship in the wilderness. The historical context of this psalm is found in 2 Samuel chapter 15, where David was fleeing from his son Absalom. David was well into what would be a 40-year reign over Israel, and for the most part, it had been successful. But during this particular stretch of his tenure, David's reign had run into a rough patch, and this rough patch would force him into the wilderness. Absalom had designs on taking the kingdom from his father. He went about the business of undermining his father in a very deliberate and intelligent fashion. Scripture says that Absalom would spend a lot of time at the gate of the city, the gathering place for the men. And at first, he would just listen to the complaints that the people had about his father. But after a while, he went from listening to joining in with them in making complaints, gaining the trust of those who were disgruntled with the king. 2 Samuel 15 and 6 says that Absalom literally stole their hearts. Absalom would respond with what the disgruntled wanted to hear. He'd say stuff like, if I were king, your situation wouldn't be this bad. If, if I were the one deciding this, things would turn out differently. If I were there to represent your needs, we wouldn't be in the predicament we're in right now. And the more Absalom talked, the larger the audience grew to hear what he had to say. Before too long, he had marshaled his own group of men who were intent on taking control of the kingdom from David. And it serves to remind us that we all need to be careful about who we listen to. It's not hard to find disgruntled people, especially when things aren't going well. It's, it's not hard to find people who will say things that we want to hear. But it's precisely when things aren't going well that we have to be sure that we are hearing and heeding the voice of God and not the voice of frustration. It's when things aren't going well that 
we have to draw nearer to God. We have to literally strain to hear him with greater clarity and focus rather than just listen to those who want to change the course for their own selfish ends. This was the case with Absalom. Absalom was promoting his own agenda. Even though Absalom was David's son, Absalom hated his father. Though he lived in David's house and benefited from being in David's family, Absalom was driven by personal ambition. He was driven by jealousy and hatred of his father to overthrow his father's kingdom. And church, I want you to see that Absalom was willing to destroy everything around him in order to get his revenge on a single individual. And that's the tragedy of vengeful people. Vengeful people don't care about who they hurt. They don't care about what it takes to hurt them. They don't care about who gets destroyed in the process of them having their way. And there are a lot of vengeful people in our world who are willing to tear up everything just to have their own way. But we need to remember what the Lord says. Vengeance is mine. And I wouldn't want to be a part of trying to do anything that God has not ordained us to do. Absalom worked his way into the hearts of the people. And when he thought that the time was right, he executed a coup against his father. He attacked the king's palace and he would have killed his father had he captured him. But rather than fight against his own son, David fled from Jerusalem and he ran out into the wilderness. One would think that given the events that unfolded, David would have been bitter and angry. But as we read the words of this song, we don't see a bitter David, but we see a penitent David willing to worship God even in the wilderness. In this psalm and others written during this turbulent time, David constantly comments on the firm confidence that he has in his God. Over and over again, he reiterates the very nearness and protection of God. In Psalm 41, he laments the betrayal of trusted friends. But he also emphasizes that because his trust is in God, there's no fear in his heart. In Psalm 63, he acknowledges that though Jerusalem is lost, God is not lost. And he rejoices in the fact that God will be with him in the wilderness. In Psalms 3 and 4, David gives morning prayers and evening prayers that he prays while he's running from Absalom. In Psalm 55, he pours out of his soul and he expresses feelings of panic. 
He longs to escape the turmoil of his life. But in the end of the psalm, he gives his burden over to the Lord. And in so doing, he says, I find relief. In Psalm 27, David rests in the constant presence of God as contrasted by the fickleness of people. Throughout this terrible time, David continues to trust in the Lord. And he finds the ability to worship God even in the wilderness. So somebody ought to be asking right about now. How is it that David could keep his trust in God even in the midst of a wilderness experience? Well, the answer is found in the fact that there are some wilderness worship lessons for all of us. First, you have to remember that there is sanctuary in the wilderness. David opens this psalm by declaring, God, you are my God. I seek you with all my heart, with all my strength. I thirst for you in this dry desert where there isn't any water. I've seen you in the sacred tent. There I've seen your power and your glory. Church, sometimes. The only sanctuary we can find is in the wilderness. Sometimes we have to be separated from all that we hold dear and from the things that we think will give us comfort in order to know that our true comfort comes from the Lord. Part of our problem is that we trust more in the blessing than in the blesser. And sometimes God has to separate us from our blessings to remind us that our trust ought to be in him. Moses didn't find his sanctuary in the palaces of Egypt, but he found sanctuary in the Midian wilderness upon Mount Sinai. Elijah had no sanctuary in Samaria, but he found sanctuary in the wilderness upon Mount Carmel. Ezekiel was driven from the temple in Jerusalem, but he found sanctuary in the wilderness of Babylon by the Kibar River. David didn't start out in the wilderness. And he wouldn't end up in the wilderness. But every servant of God will sooner or later have to go through a wilderness experience. At some point, you're going to have to lose all your comforts. At some point, you're going to have to lose all your possessions. At some point, you're going to have to be pulled away from the things that are familiar to you. But when those times come, when you find yourself in the wilderness, that's when God will bring you to a place of sanctuary. For David, the wilderness became the place where he would learn how to worship God in spirit and in truth. And let me tell you something about the wilderness. You don't always choose what your wilderness is. 
Sometimes the wilderness is just out there. David didn't want to go to the wilderness. He was chased to the wilderness. But though the wilderness was not a pleasant place to be, it did prove to be beneficial. And somebody here today is dealing with a wilderness experience. It's not what you wanted. It's not what you desired. It's not what you thought would happen in your life. But it's in the wilderness that you learn that God is able to provide for all of your needs. And that leads to my second point. Not only is there sanctuary in the wilderness, but there is strengthening in the wilderness. Wilderness worship will will help you know where your true strength comes from. Your strength doesn't come from you. Your strength doesn't come from anything about you. There is no strength in you. There is no strength in the things that you acquire in your life. But there is strength to be had. When you learn how to let it go and put your hand in God's hand. Church, when you remember that God is everywhere you are, then you know that you have the strength that you need. Some folk think that God is only in good places, but God is anywhere you have to go. And that's good news. Because sometimes you find yourself in bad places. The same David said, how can I get away from your spirit? Where can I go to escape from you? If I go up to heaven, you are there. But even when I lie in the deepest parts of the earth, you are there. If I were to rise with the sun in the east and travel all the way to the west, wherever I am, there your hand leads me and your spirit guides me. If I say that the darkness will cover me, even darkness is light to you. And what David was saying is that there's no place I can go where God is not. And church, it's good news to know that there's sanctuary in the wilderness, but it's better news to know that there is strength in the wilderness. Don't fool yourself. The wilderness can be a scary place. In the wilderness, storms can rise that can turn your calm scenes into ones of danger and confusion. In the wilderness, we're stripped of the things that brought us comfort and reassurance. In the wilderness, it's a test of whether or not we will truly trust in the Lord. But if we're made of the right spiritual metal, it's in the wilderness that we learn how to trust in the Lord and lean not to our own understanding. In the wilderness, we learn what it means when we sing through many dangers, toils, and snares. I I have already come. It was grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead us home. There is sanctuary in the wilderness. There is strengthening 
in the wilderness. And, and finally, in the wilderness, there is security. Read that seventh verse. David says, because you helped me, I sing in the shadow of your wings. And I like that verse because if I'm in the shadow of his wing, then it doesn't matter what else is going on around me. I'm in a good place. If I'm in the shadow of his wing, then I'm in a place where the devil can't do me no harm. If, if I'm in the shadow of his wing, then I'm in a place where I can rejoice even in dark times. Church, the best lesson that we can learn in life is that things don't have to be perfect for us to rejoice. I hear people all the time say, I'm going to come tell my testimony once the Lord brings me through. Well, let me tell you something. You need to have a testimony before the Lord brings you through. Yeah. 